0: Thank you for checking out the Life Church Utah audio podcast. We pray that it's a blessing to you. To find out more information about Life Church, please check us out at lifechurchutah.com. If you'd like to support our ministry, you can do so by going to our website or by texting the word LCGive to 95577. So uh, we are starting a new series called This Is Us. And this, this uh, will be a series about relationships. And, of course, we're going to be focusing on marriage. That's going to be part of it. But uh, hopefully realize it is much more than just marriage uh, that we are going to be talking about. But we are surrounded by relationships. All of our interactions, everything, we are surrounded by relationships, whether it's husband and wife, Right? There's a relationship there. You've got uh, grandparents with grandkids and their own children. You've got aunts and uncles with nieces and nephews. You've got cousins. Then you expand it out. You've got your neighbors who live right next door to you or just down the street from you. Uh, you've got your coworkers. So we are surrounded by relationships and what makes relationships so special? And now it's starting to get more and more complicated in our world around us because we have something called AI, artificial intelligence. Right? And I was watching a video the other day. I think it was a TED Talk or something like that. And uh, they had a conversation between AI and somebody who was unsuspecting uh, setting up a hair appointment for somebody. And the person on the end of the line who was at the hair appointment place had no idea that they were having this conversation with not a real person, but with artificial intelligence. Blurring that line of relationship. Right? And in our world around us, these are things that we are going to have to deal with that Jesus and Paul and the disciples never had to deal with our intelligence and what actually makes relationships. And then we even add to that just the simple fact we see around us right now, people are marrying robots and calling them, and calling that love. I mean, it's true. I mean, it's absolutely true. It's happening. And my prediction here's my prediction you're gonna see it happen more and more and more because people are confused by what it means to be in relationship and our world is so skewed and so broken in the relationships that people search something that they can control something that they can program so that they can figure it out if you're married you realize you can't figure it out <laughs> it's just it is it is fun so where to start? My wife's not here today, so I can get away with all sorts of things, so this is exciting. She is uh, up. My oldest daughter turns 24 today, so Kelsey turns 24 today, and that makes me feel old, right? Yeah, definitely getting there, definitely getting there, so, uh, but no grandkids yet. That, that'll happen one of these days, right? Um, so uh, over the next four weeks... Uh, We are starting today in the purpose or purpose in relationships. What's the purpose of relationships? We're going to talk about marriage, talk about our relationship with one another, and then outside the walls of the church, the importance and the purpose of those relationships. Next week, we're going to talk about roles in relationship. We're going to look at roles in marriage and hopefully dispel a few myths when it comes to marriage. Just like today, we're going to be talking about it and dispelling a few myths. Um, but uh, also roles that, uh, of relationship in the larger body of Christ that we interact with every single day. Then we're going to take a look at connections in relationship and, and the, the trajectory of joy that we should have when we connect with one another and, and that heartbeat and, and forgiveness and dealing with some of the more difficult aspects of relationships. And in the very end, I'm uh, super looking forward, because today's Super Bowl Sunday, so I can say super. I am super looking forward uh, to our last Sunday. We're looking at legacy and relationship. So what is the legacy that we leave behind in all of our relationships, our marriages, our family within the body of Christ here? And and a a, a really fun, I think, creative way for us to respond for the whole church on uh, February 24th. So uh, please make sure you're here for no other weeks skip them all, come to the last one. So uh, No, don't do that. (laughs) Don't skip any of them, you gotta be here for all of them. So, uh, but it's gonna be a a powerful moment for us as a church answering today. Does marriage have a purpose? You know, do our relationships with one another have a purpose, our relationships at work have a purpose? Is there a purpose in dating? (laughs) All right, for those who are not married. Well, even if you're married, you should still be dating, by the way, that's a very important, uh, dating your spouse. That's, let me clarify that uh, really quickly. (laughs) 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 <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> Dating should be part of your life uh, Even if you are married So um, so you know uh, We shouldn't go blindly into relationships We need to discover that foundational purpose For those who are married currently Those yet to be married Those committed to the single life So where do we start? And I think a great place to start is Ephesians chapter 5 And we're going to dig through this entire chapter You know off and on through the whole chapter But Ephesians chapter 5 verse 1 says Live your life with love following the example of Christ who loved us and gave himself for us. Imitation. How many of you have children? Raise your hand really quickly. You've got children, all right. And how many of them imitate you? How many of you, they they surprise you when they've imitated something that you really didn't want them to imitate? (laughs) Right? They say something that they shouldn't do that. And they point back at you. <laughs> they say, you said that. Like, no, I didn't. I never said that. Yes, you did. And you realize you said that. Or they do something and re- respond in a certain way. And you go, who, who told you to respond that way? Uh, you know, they point to your spouse. And you're like, oh, so it was their fault, right? And you're all excited at that moment. Um, even when it's not so good, our kids imitate us. And, and a lot of times, you know, it's, it's no big deal. When they're younger, they imitate us. That's how they learn. But when Paul starts talking about this, And he says that we should imitate God. That's maturation, right? That's this process of learning who is God and how do we then imitate him. Imitate God like dearly loved children. We're his children and he wants us to imitate him. So we become adults, we imitate God, right? And the imitation that Paul is asking us to do is to imitate his son, Jesus Christ. And the part that we are supposed to imitate according to what Paul said, live your life with love following the example of Christ who loved us, and how did he show that he loved us? He gave. Now you've heard me talk about this uh, really since the beginning of January, since the beginning of 2019, it seems to be a theme for us at Life Church this year. God gave. And this is how we are then supposed to imitate God. It's by giving ourselves in relationship with one another. So we're to live our, loves with, uh, live our lives with love following Christ. Why do we do this? Ephesians chapter 5, verse uh, 15 says, So be careful to live your life wisely, not foolishly. Take advantage of every opportunity because these are evil times. Do we feel that these are evil times? Okay, and this was back when Paul was writing. He felt it back then How much more so maybe do we feel the fact that the world around us, that there is just the sense that things are not right? And then Paul ends this in verse 21, so he jumps down from verse 16. There's a few things in between there. Then he says this, and submit to each other out of respect for Christ. Submit. Man, I don't like that word. I really don't. Uh, When I think of the word submit, I think of uh, of MMA. If you've ever ever watched MMA, they have something called submissions. And that's where they're not knocked out, (laughs) but they find themselves in a hold against their will where they... And I actually, so, moment of confession here. When I was thinking about submission, I started watching MMA submissions. (laughs) And I was thinking to myself, I'm going to show some of these. (laughs) And I'm like, yeah, maybe not. I'm not going to do that. Blood everywhere and all that stuff. Um, And so, I was watching this, though, and the idea of submission, that's kind of the idea we have a submission. MMA, for those who don't know, mixed martial arts. They get, you know, they're fighting, you know, there. And, I mean, it's kind of no holds barred kind of thing. And they are in the ring or in the octagon. And uh, they get, you know, thrown to the ground. And then these incredible pretzel-like moments <laughs> where they are absolutely tied up in this, in this knot. And somebody else is overpowering them. And then you can just kind of see them real quick tap. And that means they submit. They're done. They, they kind of tap out in that moment. We often think of submission as as that, where we're completely overpowered, we have no other choice other than to submit, and it's defeat, it's brokenness, it's all of those negative connotations of submission. And I think for us in the church world at times, and and certainly in our American culture, this is how we look at submission. Look at, at submission as something of weakness, something of giving up rather than the position that God, I think, has for submission. Because he says, submit to each other out of respect for Christ. So, obviously, this is a totally different kind of submission that's being talked about here. So, in order to find out, um, we need to take a long journey back uh, to the book of Genesis, uh, because we need to figure out where all of this problem started. And it started in what's called the Garden of Eden, according to Genesis. Genesis. And in the Garden of Eden, really quickly, it, it, it appears like this. And, uh, you know, well, actually, in the story of Genesis, what we have is the story of God's creation, right? And so it says that, you know, God breathed into existence the planets and, and uh, spoke into existence the galaxies and molecules and, and uh, all the creatures and creation around us. The Bible says that God created. And he gets to the moment of that crowning jewel and he forms the dirt and the ground, the dust and the mud. He forms it into a shape, he breathes into that shape, and that shape of mud <laughs> becomes humanity. And Adam is born. To us, it seems fantastical, and yet the Bible reveals that to be the truth. And so we look at that, and God breathes into the man, and, and it's just a, a wonderful existence, and God gives some instructions to Adam and, and tells him, you know, hey, you're going to be in the garden and uh, now I want you to name all of the animals. And, and so we get to this point where Adam is looking at all these animals and goes, hey, you know, there's an elephant, a giraffe, duck-billed platypus, whatever it is, okay, got all these things. And he's naming all of these, but nothing seems to kind of line up with who he is. So there's kind of an emptiness in Adam's life, even in the perfection of the garden. In Genesis chapter 2, we pick up the story and God, Lord God placed the man in the garden of Eden to tend and watch over it. But the Lord God warned him, you may freely eat the fruit of every tree in the garden except the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. If you eat its fruit, you are sure to die. And we'll come back to that in just a moment. Then the Lord God said, it's not good for man to be alone. All the men said. (laughs) Okay, let me help you out here, guys. Should have been a hearty amen right there in that moment, all right? (laughs) It's not good for man to be alone. I will make a helper who is just right for him. So Lord God caused the man to fall into a deep sleep. It's good to take a nap, guys, once in a while, because look what happens. While the man slept, the Lord God took out of the man's rib and closed up the opening. Then the Lord God made a woman from the rib, and he brought her to the man. At last, the man exclaimed, the woman of my dreams, right? He's asleep, and here she comes. This one is bone from my bone and flesh from my flesh. She will be called woman because she was taken from man. This is the story of that creation of the first man and woman. And I love it because God made it so easy for Adam in this moment. For those who are in the dating scene, you realize it is not this easy anymore, right? For those who are in that moment, right? So I, can I help you out real quick? If, if you are in the dating, I'm going to help you out real quick. I have got some lines that are going to just open the door. You ready? It's hot. In, is it hot in here or is it just that the Holy Spirit is burning inside of you? So last night I was reading the book of Numbers and I realized I don't have yours. Uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. I believe one of my ribs belongs to you. <laughs> there you go. I didn't know angels flew this low. <laughs> yeah, do that one right there. You and me were like loaves and fishes. We just might be a miracle together. <laughs> ah, there you go. That's smooth. A good Old Testament one. How many times do I have to walk around you to make you fall for me? <laughs> My parents are home. Want to come over? <laughs> the Bible says, bring all of our requests to God. I prayed, and here you are. Ah, there you go, there you go, and the last one—I <laughs> don't know. Um, don't walk away, babe. You may not think I'm perfect, but Jesus thinks I'm to die for. <laughs> ah, there we go, right? Woo! On second thought, don't use any of those. Don't use any of those. Oh boy. <laughs> So it says in Genesis that he created male and female in the image of God. It appears to be an idyllic uh, existence for them. They're there in the garden. Things are going right. Uh, They've got basically the whole world for the two of them. The world is their oyster, right? Isn't that a phrase? Tending the garden. God walking with them. But along with the gift of life in the garden was a command. Not to eat in this one tree. Where do Adam and Eve find themselves? Right by that one tree that they shouldn't be. They They have the entire world to be in, right? And yet they choose to be right next to the biggest temptation of their life. Reminds me of me, right? So the story unfolds. Adam and Eve face this decision. They choose to eat the fruit that God had commanded them not to eat, and they fall. The Bible says their eyes were open. They recognized that everything has changed now. Where before there was no shame, <laughs> all of a sudden they feel shame at their nakedness and they clothe themselves. Where before there was relationship, now there's isolation. They, they run and hide from God. The blame game starts to happen. God questions, them, questions Adam first. Adam, why did you do this? What does Adam say? The woman made me do it. <laughs> Guys, don't do that. It's not a good thing. The woman made me do it. What does Eve say? The serpent made me do it. There's a curse placed on the serpent. There's a curse placed on the ground. There's a curse placed on, rela- I mean, it, is, it just ruins everything. And we wonder why today marriage is so difficult. Relationships are so difficult. Workplace is so difficult. Because sin has changed everything. So what does submitting, Paul says, right, that we should submit to one So what does submitting look like? And man, I've been talking way too long, but here we go. You ready for this? So what I want to do is I want to go through what does submitting to one another look like in three different areas. The first area we're going to talk about is in marriage. And this can be difficult to talk about because our culture today looks at what I'm going to say next in, the, in the next couple of minutes And it proves to them that the Bible is outdated and irrelevant and unnecessary today because we've moved on from these archaic views of relationships within marriage. But I think as we unpack this together, I really hope we begin to understand what God was speaking to this idea of husbands and wives. So I'm going to read this, and as I read this, point out some areas there might be some tension As I read it, Ephesians chapter 5, verse 22, starting there. So remember, Paul just said, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Next breath, he then says this about husbands and wives. So submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. For wives, this means submit to your husbands. Let me just stop there. Instantly, there's a pushback, right? Submit to your husbands, (laughs) Then he goes on, as to the Lord, for a husband is the head of his wife. I don't like that, Pastor. <laughs> for the husband is the head of the wife, as Christ is the head of the church. He's the savior of his body, the church, as the church submits to Christ, so you wives should submit your huts to your husbands in everything. Anybody feel a little bit of tension <laughs> right now, right? We feel that within us because our culture Bucks against submission. Then it goes on, for husbands, this means love your wives just as Christ loved the church. At that point, it's really good. It's like, oh yeah, that's the easy. <laughs> it's the easy one to love my wife. he gave up his life for her to make her holy and clean, washed and cleansed, washed by the cleansing of God's word. Gave himself. So we have this idea here, and then it goes on, so again, I say, "Each man must love his wife as he loves himself, and the wife must respect her husband." From Genesis, we see this, this moment where relationship is right. Adam and Eve, in really what it feels like, a, a perfect relationship, there's no strife no brokenness, no shame, no isolation. It is the right way that things should be. And then sin enters the world and corrupts it all and breaks it down very, very quickly. So when sin entered the world, it ruined the harmony of marriage not because it brought headship and submission into existence, but because it twisted headship and submission. It twisted that that original relationship that we see in the Garden of Eden, where there was a, a way that God had created. And sin breaks that. And today, we struggle against that always. It twists the humility by which we men should lead our wives. It twists submission into uh, some unknown foreign thing, into, uh, like, manipulation or an unwillingness. For men, it, it leads to hostile domination or maybe even lazy indifference. Sin has corrupted headship. Sin has corrupted submission. It's broken. And we wonder why in our marriages we struggle. We wonder why we, we buck up against this all of the time, and God says... This relationship needs to be redeemed. This relationship needs to change. Now, if this is true, then redemption, the redemption we anticipate with the coming of Christ is not the dismantling of the original created order of loving headship, willing submission, but a recovery of it from the ravages of sin, and that's what we see in Ephesians. Paul is giving us a picture when it works right, when there's a correct perspective, when you've got submission because the picture is this metaphor of marriage, the submission is us, uh, us to Christ, right? As um, as the church is to Christ, and there's a loving relationship as Christ gives Himself to the church. When those things are in operation and correct, all of a sudden headship and submission no longer become a stumbling block, but they become a place of celebration within relationship. Headship is not the right to command and control. It's the responsibility to love like Christ. And husbands, to give yourselves to your wives. Now, I find my goal as a husband, I I love my wife dearly. And my job as a husband is to love her like no one else. I don't want anybody sneaking in in our relationship, right? Right? And so I'm going to love her and sacrifice for her and give to her every bit of my life. Every bit of my life is no hidden corners that are unknown by her. (laughs) Every bit of my life is I'm going to give her the love that she needs for her to reach the dreams and goals and desires of her life. That's the kind of love that I want to have. And when I love her like that, (laughs) like Christ gave himself for us, what happens? There's a joy that's reciprocated between us that is unbelievable. And it's not a submission out of fear, but it is this idea of a submission out of complete love and respect for me as a husband. Now, does that mean that I go, Honey, this is what we're doing today, and you can do nothing else. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) That is... How many know that would not go over very well for me at all, right? So it's not this blind... Uh, blind submission, but what it is is she knows my heart. I know her heart, and within that is that idea of what Paul said: we submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. So there's a structure involved in marriage that God wants to bless, that God wants to bring fruition to, but there's also these moments when we need to be like Jesus to one another, to submit to one another. So, so much, so much. more I could go in, but running out of wow, really running out of time. Um, so we who are married have a huge responsibility to see our marriage more than just for us, more than just some sort of fulfillment between my wife and I. God designed marriage because he had a great plan in mind. The primary purpose of marriage is to reflect God's glory to a watching world. Right? We, as, as a husband and wife, we become a picture of God's glory to people that are looking at us. Because so many marriages falling apart, so many marriages struggling in that fight, in that anger that is there at the core. And God says, I want to redeem that. I want to make something of God's glory within your marriage. And that's when we submit (laughs) to one another out of reverence for Christ. Man, all right, got so much more to go, but here we go. So marriage is the first place we we learn to submit (laughs) to one another out of reverence for Christ. The second area is the body of Christ. Right? So that's referring to us who are here today and many other churches across the valley, those Bible-believing churches that are gathered together. This is the body of Christ. So what does it mean for us to submit to one another? So you ready for a shotgun? I'm going to read really quickly here. You ready? Here we go. It's going to show up on the screens, and sorry if this is too quick, but... Be at peace with one another. Love one another. Be devoted to one another in brotherly love. Honor one another above yourselves. Live in harmony with one another. Stop passing judgment on one another. Accept one another then, just as Christ accepted you. Instruct one another. Have equal concern for one another. Serve one another in love. Carry each other's burdens. Uh, Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Be kind and compassionate to one another. Forgiving each other. Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. In humility, consider others better better than yourselves, okay, and there are many, many, many more of those one another's in the Bible, so what Paul is telling us is there needs to be a redemption of our relationships between each other in the family of God. We need to be a people that are marked by forgiveness, marked by mercy, marked by bearing one another's burdens, not just saying, hey, it's going to be okay, but coming alongside of people, those in the body of Christ, saying, I want to walk with you in the season where your marriage is falling apart. I want to walk with you and bless you. I want to help you as a parent because your children are far away from the Lord. I want to walk with you in this season to bear each other's burdens. This is what God has called us to be as the people of God here in the family of God as we submit to one another when we honor Christ. So the question becomes for us, what, how, how do we then do this for one another? I, I think what I just said, but so much more. There's so many other ways that you can show that you're submitting to one another because God has told us in his word that this is what we're supposed to do. This looks like Jesus when we do this, doesn't it? This is what God would be doing, is giving himself, and we need to do this. And I know that this is not possible in and of ourselves, Because we are imperfect, broken, sinful people. And so we struggle with having the right motivations. We struggle with with following through on these things. And yet I believe that God wants us to redeem our relationships one with another so that he can be glorified. So it's the power of the Spirit of Christ within us that makes this possible. So we need to daily ask for God's divine help in honoring, submitting, loving the others around us. I'm going to invite our worship team or the the couple that are coming up here uh, to go ahead and come on up. But there's more to it than us who are here in the body of Christ here at Life Church Utah, right? There's more to it, and so it goes beyond the body of Christ now. What do the relationships look like in our responsibility outside the walls of this church and in the world? There's a purpose in our relationship in the body of Christ. There's a purpose in our relationship as husband and wife. But there's so much more, and so we end with this today. John chapter 13, kind of a a strange passage here uh, to to get to this final point, but it says this in verse 31, as soon as Judas left the room, so it jumps right in the middle of the story, so I've got to give some context if you're not familiar with the story, haven't been in church, um, or it's been a long time since you've been in church, there's a story of a guy by the name of Judas, Judas was one of the closest associates and friends of Jesus, and it says uh, that Judas was the one who betrayed Jesus. Jesus. And so in this moment, this is the, the Last Supper is happening right now. This is the most intimate time for the, uh, for the disciples to get together with Jesus. He's kind of giving last words to them, encouraging them, and, and asking God's blessing on them, praying over them. And there's this guy, Judas. He's one of the closest disciples to Christ. Jesus points him out. Judas leaves the room, and Judas is leaving from this moment to go get paid to betray Jesus. Say, hey, uh, temple guards and other leaders, in about 45 minutes, Jesus is gonna be here at the Garden of Gethsemane. That's gonna be your best chance to get him. So Judas betrays him. So as soon as Judas left the room, Jesus said, the time has come for the Son of Man to enter his glory, and God will be glorified because of him. And since God receives glory because of the Son, he will give his own glory to the Son. He will do so at once. Dear children, I will be with you only a little longer. And as I told the Jewish leaders, you will search for me, but you can't come where I am going. Verse 34. So now I am giving you a new commandment. Love each other. There's that idea of love coming into there. Just as I have loved you, you should love each other. Okay, so so this is that love within the body of Christ. There's that love there, but why is this important? It says, your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. So folks, when we love each other correctly, our relationship is more than just a friendship. Friendship. Our relationship is more than just a a relationship in the world. Something happens when we love each other correctly, when this this is redeemed between us, when people see the love that we have for one another, when we are submitting one to another, there is a message of hope, There is a message of glory. There is a message of redemption that is shared through us. Amen. There's something that happens in our relationship that is unlike any other relationship in the world. So when we love each other correctly, people see Jesus. People see Jesus. Can you believe that? People see Jesus when we love one another correctly, that to me is an incredible story that needs to be told. When we have been redeemed, right relationship with one another, with our spouses, there is a bigger story at play. This purpose begins to enlarge from a selfishness, a me-centered fallen view to the fact that our relationships become a picture of God. We Represent God when we love each other well. When we love each other well when we submit to one another out of reverence for Christ in our marriages, in the relationships that happen here in the body of Christ. And then that just bleeds and spills over into the lives that we come in contact with every day. This is Pastor Eric. Thanks so much for checking out our Life Church podcast. We pray that it's a blessing to you. For more information about Life Church, check us out at lifechurchutah.com.